Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. And these stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. And most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Alita, today's storyteller, shares about her personal experience with chronic pain and depression. Stories dealing with health are never intended to serve as official medical advice or a means of diagnosis because we know, number one, we're not qualified, but number two, these ailments can manifest differently from person to person. But hearing the details of someone's personal journey allows us to gain insight and to better understand the challenges they face. And as Alita talks about what chronic pain and depression have looked like specifically in her life, it will not only resonate with many women, but it's also a great reminder of God's sufficient grace that He gives us daily to face whatever lies ahead, not with fear or with despair, but with hope. And while we may not always feel hopeful, we can rest in the knowledge and the truth that God loves us, He is sovereign, He has us, and He's never going to let us go. Here's Alita. I'm so happy to be with y'all. And normally I've been told people sit on a stool, but I like to move my hands more. So we're going to use, but I just have to stay kind of close to the microphone. So, um, but I have been told not to walk around and ask y'all questions. So we're going to keep it like this. Um, I'm going to open with a verse that I've just been, I don't know, God keeps bringing me back to you while I've been preparing for this. And then I think it'll be a good kind of set the stage and I'll come back to it again at the end. But it's um, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And, um... As you'll hear my story, you'll be like, man, she really is just falling apart. You know, I really am kind of wasting away um, outwardly. But I, you'll see, too, that God has been renewing me inwardly every day. Um, okay, I always want to know how old people are, so I'll tell y'all. I'm 39. Um, I've lived in Birmingham my whole life. Um, my parents loved God. They still do. My mom's here. She still loves God. And, uh, <laughs> and um, anyway, just they taught us from an early age to love God's word, to, to give our lives to other people so that to help further the kingdom of God. Um, just a great foundation. And um, I was a very strong-willed child. <laughs> For those of you who have strong-willed children, which I also have been gifted with that, um, it's not easy on the parents, but strong-willed children generally know they're a sinner. So it was not, no one, like, I didn't have to be convinced that I was bad. You know, like, I was like, no, I, I know. And I own it. And I am proud of how I've been acting. Um, but so the grace that comes for strong-willed children is, I think it's sometimes an easier jump to say, okay, I know I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. So, um, so I came to Christ really young and, um, you know, just because I knew I couldn't save myself. And, um, there wasn't really as, I mean, I really honestly can't remember before him, you know, like it's just I've, my whole life. I've, he's been a part of it. Um, I never really had a big, you know, rebellious stage or anything. Um, I mean, there's always sin. There's still sin. There's so much sin he has to deal with. But, um, but I mean, really my, my heart just continued to grow towards God and, um, especially valuing his word. And I've noticed like, as I was preparing this, how many times God would just bring up these verses that I learned when I was younger, um, or, you know, songs that are special remind me of him, like just these gospel truths and how, um, in those hard times when I'm like, you know, there's no Bible nearby or I can't get up off the sofa to go look like it's already in my heart. So, um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, okay. Let me see. 
fast forward. Okay, graduated again. I know y'all like to know. I like to know. 97, graduated from high school, um, graduated from Briarwood, and then I went to Sanford where I met my sweet love and um, Logan Casey and my sweet mother-in-law's here too. And I really did hit the jackpot. It's it's a great in-law family. Um, So we got married spring break of his first year of med school. Um, and we're crazy. I feel like that's going to be kind of the theme as I share today. Like a lot of stuff. I'm like, why did we do that? Like we were babies, 22 and 23. Um, but God, we just loved each other and we still do. And you know, it was time. Like that was the right time for us to get married. Um, but med school's tough. I used to sneak into the hospital and spend the night in that little twin bed in the call room with him because if not, I wouldn't ever see him. So <laughs> we just made it work. Um, we had um, our first baby, Lola, his fourth year of med school. School. And um, I had some complications. I had preeclampsia, which is when you um, your blood pressure gets real high, and they worry that you're going to have a stroke. And so they were monitoring me and stuff. I had to go on bed rest. Um, so they did an ultrasound at um, 36 weeks, and so almost. And I I was going to do this disclaimer. If anyone here is pregnant or is going to have a baby sometime soon or whatever, just know like. All these things I'm going to tell you, the doctors all said they'd never had this happen before. <laughs> so, like, I just don't want to scare anybody. Like, it's almost 100% none of these things will happen to you. They did all happen to me. So, but um, anyway, so they did the ultrasound, and almost all of my amniotic fluid had reabsorbed. Just this freak thing. There were two centimeters left, and it was right by the umbilical cord. And so they were like, if it had if it had not been right there, then she and I both would have died. So it was a very dramatic, like, reveal. And then they're like, so we have to do, you know, an urgent C-section. So, I, But, I mean, I was young, and I was like, okay, great. Yeah, let's get her out. So, but I had a couple minutes in the room by myself. And y'all will notice, like, that's what I kind of have to do is just take a pause sometimes. I'm like, okay, Lord. I've got this second just to meet with you, you know, like didn't have a Bible with me, didn't have all these things, but the verse that we had claimed for Lola was, um, and that's the baby's name, uh, Nehemiah 810, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So as I sat there waiting for them to come get me for the OR, um, I was thinking about that old school Twyla Paris song, you know, and it's just, you know, it says he will be strong to deliver me safe and the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I was like, and I just kept singing that. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just trusting you that you're going to deliver her safe and like that your joy will be her strength. And sure enough, like she was fine. Like we did the C-section, like she came out great. She didn't have to go to the NICU. She was a take home baby. You know? so, and we were fine. Like I was fine afterwards. Um, we got him. Here's, here's some like true confessions. Okay. So I had really thought my whole life I was born to be a mom. Like I loved babysitting. I loved. Um, I mean, I interned with my church's children's ministry. I was an elementary ed teacher. You know, like, I knew I had been created for this. <laughs> this was my grand, like, this is what I was waiting for all this time. And I got home with this baby, and I didn't even like her. You know, <laughs> like, I really was like, what have I done? <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm, if you can tell, I am a major extrovert. Um, and so I'm home all day with a baby who can't talk to me. <laughs> And uh, it was like, and none of our friends had babies yet. Most of our friends weren't even married yet. So we were at a totally different life stage. And, um, you know, I just really was like, Lord, this is a major identity crisis, you know. Um, and, and, you know, over time, I love her now. She is like my little mini me. So, and, uh, but, but it really, that was a shock to me. Like, I really thought, wow, this is what I was created for. And I hate it. And, you know, so I think that God just, it took some time. I mean, that, that was a big blow. Like, okay, Lord, so what exactly are you doing, you know, for me? So, um, anyway, but I, I like to share that because I never hear people say that, but I've got it. Maybe I'm the only one, but I bet somebody in here feels that way too. <laughs> so you're not alone. And one day you will love them too. I mean, I guess I always loved her. I just didn't like her. Um, so, but then, um, so, you know, a few more years down the road, even though I'd had the complications, we were like, Hey, let's have another, let's have another baby. So we were, um, when I was pregnant with Charlie and, um, oh, I guess I should say Lola is now 14 and Charlie is now about to turn 12 in two weeks. So I was pregnant with Charlie. I got preeclampsia again. They put me on, um, 
bed rest. And um, I had, again, this will not happen to you, but I had a pre-retinal hemorrhage, which is where a blood vessel burst in my right eye. So I couldn't see out of my right eye. And um, so it, it was because my blood pressure had been so high. So they shot it with a laser, which didn't hurt, but they were trying to dispel the blood. And that made my blood pressure skyrocket. So, um, so they were like, well, we have to do an emergency C-section. We need to get him out. So they wheel me back. And, um, I almost hate to tell you all this because it's so like traumatizing, but, um, there were complications with the anesthesia and it wore off halfway through the surgery. So, so, I'm, so I had a C-section without drugs, basically, and um, and it was just as bad as you can imagine. And I just remember looking up and like the poor, I mean, bless him, the poor anesthesiologist. Like I could just see his eyes over his mask, and he was panicked. And um, but you know, they just, but they had to like, they did the best they could, but they had to go ahead and get Charlie out. So, um, so like they got him out and they are working on him and they're trying to give me more medicine. And, um, and he stopped breathing cause he was early. <laughs> he was a month early. And so, um, so they had to rush him off to the NICU. So I didn't get to hold him or anything. So in a matter of, of hours, <laughs> I had had my eye shot with a laser emergency C-section without anesthesia and my baby was, you know, had stopped breathing. So it was a very traumatic, I mean, you know, like even as I say it, it's like, it's hard to believe all that happened in that one, those few short hours. Um, so I obviously had some, I mean, honestly, it was probably some post-traumatic stress after that. Um, I would have nightmares and flashbacks. Like it was a very hard time. And so and Charlie was able to leave the NICU after a week, which was great. Like his lungs just needed time, you know, to get stronger. But, you know, it was winter time and he'd been in the NICU. So they said, you really can't take him anywhere for three months, you know, so <laughs> keep him home. So I was like, okay, so again, super extrovert, have just been totally traumatized. And they're like, and just stay home with this baby who can't talk to you and the most obnoxious two-year-old you've ever met. You know, <laughs> so I was like, great. I'm truly really trying not to laugh into this. I feel like that is going to be like, well, um, so, <laughs> but I remember this one day, um, I was sitting at my computer because this is before I had internet on my phone. And, um, and I had gotten an email from a friend who she wasn't even from here. Like she didn't, she sent out a mass email. She did not know all the stuff I had gone through, but the email said, um, she was describing how she just had her baby and it went great. And all the things they had prayed for, like God had, had let her doctor be on call and she only had to push three times <laughs> and, then, and she closed it with God is so good. And I'm sitting there holding my NICU baby, can only see out of one eye. And I was like, well, I probably shouldn't tell you what I was like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I really just thought, wow, okay, if that's, if she thinks that's what makes God good, then like, where does that leave me? And I mean, in, this is like a watershed moment for me. God said, I am good. And my plans for you are good. And I, I mean, I still, I come, oh, I mean, it gives me chills thinking about it. Like I come back to that over and over again that like, you know, yes, in that moment, I wanted her plans. I wanted her life because that sounded amazing. But God was like, you know, I know you and I have these plans specifically for you um, and they are good. And so I've seen that over and over again. Um, so <laughs> again, because we're crazy, <laughs> we just, we were like, how about one more? Let's try one more time. Um, but we did talk. I feel like disclaimer, my mom knows this because she was like, oh my gosh. y'all are." But we did talk to my OB about it. And she, you know, she loves God. She's very wise. And she said, you know, yes, it's fine for you to like, you'll probably have preeclampsia again. You'll probably, um, you know, have to go on bed rest. You know, the baby will probably come early, but like, you'll be fine. So I was like, okay. So anyway, so we were pregnant with Mills, our youngest, and he's eight now. And, you know, really that pregnancy went great. Like I never got preeclampsia, which was crazy. Um, and my, oh, sorry, <laughs> my water broke at 36 weeks. So all my babies were a month early, but, um, but they did a regular C-section, you know, and like, and he needed to go to the NICU, but we were like, this is, we've done this before. This is so easy. Like we were really doing great. I was recovering great. So the night before we were going to bring him home from the hospital, I woke up with stabbing pains in my neck and like the worst pain I'd ever had. And I'd had bad pain before. Um, 
And so the next couple weeks were just a series of doctor's appointments and medicines and testing. And they finally determined um, that I had two slip discs in my neck. And so normally, I mean, I would have thought, you know, you're in a car wreck, you had whatever, you know, whatever. I was literally laying in my bed asleep. Like I was doing nothing when it happened. Um, but it was so painful. And so, um, so we started, you know, trying all the different everything, you know, we, um, I did physical therapy a couple of times. We did, um, muscle relaxers. I did a really intensive, um, traction therapy for a few months. Um, I went to several neurologists. I had blocks done and, and nothing helped. And we went and saw a surgeon cause I was like, just cut it. I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, Let's make this better. And, um, and he said that it was pressing enough to cause a lot of pain, but not enough to, for the risk. Like the surgery is very risky. And so, um, Anyway, so there I was with this newborn and two older kids, and um, and it hurt to hold him. So, like, I couldn't, like, to feed him his bottles, like, the way I would have to, you know, you hold it and you look down or whatever, like, I couldn't do it. It hurt too bad. So, um, oh, it's like the saddest, this is where I always try. Um, so, I mean, most of the time, sweet meals, like, either my older kids would give him his bottle or I would set him up on a boppy. And, like, I couldn't, you know, he just had to, that's what we had to do. And, um... You know, you can't take muscle relaxers while you're driving carpool. So, um, so I would just have to take Advil during the day. And then at night, I would take a muscle relaxer just to try to get through. And so my sweet husband would get up every night and feed Mills his bottles because I couldn't, you know, I mean, I was way too out of it. Um, but so I feel like I really just missed that whole first year of Mills's life. And, um, but as a bright note, if you know Mills, he is like the sweetest kid in the world. Because I'm always, like, as I tell this, I'm like, it sounds like he's going to be like this really messed up <laughs> child. But like, he has the sweetest heart. And I know that is just the grace of God. Um, but, you know, if it, I'm sure people, I'm sure someone in here probably has chronic pain. If you have chronic pain, you know, it just takes its toll. And, um, and so when Mills was about a year and a half, I was diagnosed with major depression. And, and I really think like... I just, I didn't want to be depressed. And I like, I probably should have gotten help way sooner, but I was like, no, no, it's just because I'm in pain or it's just because I haven't slept or it's just because whatever. And finally, by the time I finally was like, something's wrong. I was like way in it. Um, and so when I was finally diagnosed and I've had people ask like, what does that feel like? It's just, it's just a heavy darkness. Like I felt like I was suffocating. Um, and I'm a very cheerful person. I mean, you know, like it was very different than my personality. And I felt just like so drained. I remember I was laying on the sofa after like at that day. And I was just like, I don't even want to get up. And so, um, but I knew I needed, I needed people, I needed people. And so my sweet, sweet friends are here today. I, um, I sent um, an email to, um, to Julie and Brooke and just said, hey, I have some stuff going on in my life. If y'all be willing to meet with me, I would really appreciate it. And thank God they said yes. And so we started meeting and what I love, I mean, I love everything about them, but what I really appreciate is that as I told them all the stuff I was dealing with, they weren't scared. They didn't um, make me feel ashamed because there was, there was a sense of shame, like, you know, Oh, why am I not a better Christian? You know, whatever. Like they didn't say anything like, Hey, your faith should be stronger. Or you should pray about it. You know, cause like that would not have helped. You know, they just, they just loved me and walked through it with me. Um, I, for me, I needed to be on medication. Um, and I could, I started taking antidepressants like the next day and in two weeks I could tell a huge difference. So I guess like it's a hopeful thing. If you are feeling this way at all, like talk to your doctor, like just let them, you know, they have a series of questions. It's really easy. And then if they think you need to be on medicine, like your OB could do it, your regular doctor, you know, a psychiatrist. Um, but I felt like there was a light at the end of the tunnel again, pretty soon. Um, and you know, I know they can be kind of controversial. Here's, here's how I feel about it. If I break my arm, um, I could pray that God would heal it, which he might decide to do. Um, or I could just like, 
just let it, you know, just let it lay there, you know, whatever. And eventually it'll heal in some form, but it may not function the way that it was intended to. Or in that moment of brokenness, I can go to a doctor who has been trained to deal with this and let them set it so that it can be stronger than it was before. And so for me, that's what getting on medicine was like, I could have asked God to heal me and I did. And he said, no. And so, um, you know, I was really too far into it to try anything or just to try to like wait it out. Um, but I'm so grateful. God had this amazing doctor who walked through it with me and was like, Hey, let's get these chemicals balanced in your head. You know, like if it was my liver, I would take medicine for it. If those chemicals were imbalanced and so for my brain, I was like, yes, let's do this. Um, so, and there are still days that are dark days. It's not like I take a pill and everything's great. Um, you know, most days it is very, it's a lot, you know, obviously a lot better, but, um, but it's just, you know, but there are days when I'm like, wow, I feel it today. And, um, like, I don't know. Well, if y'all watched the crown, which if you haven't, you should, (laughs) but uh, Winston Churchill had, he's one of, he's one of the cool kids who had depression, but he would describe it as, um, his black dog had come back around. And I think that's such a perfect description. Like some days I'm like, that, that stupid black dog is back, you know, but then like it walks on through, you know? Um, anyway, so once we had, um, once I had gotten kind of the depression, I I say under control, you know, just once we had kind of started, I've been on the medicine. I, um, was like, okay, well, great. Now let's focus on getting my neck. Well, let's get this, you know, let's get this fixed. And I really was up for trying anything. Like if anybody said, Hey, I have a friend who saw this doctor. I saw this thing on Dr. Oz, you know, whatever. I was like, bring it, let's do it all. Um, but we started to see that each time I would try something like my hopes would be way up. Like this is what's going to heal me. I won't have to deal with this anymore. And then if it didn't work, it was just such a letdown. Like, and it would affect my depression because I would be like, Oh my gosh, I've still got this pain and now I feel worse about it. So, um, there was a day and I don't remember the time frame exactly of this, but, um, I was sitting with God and I was just telling him like, this is really like, I'm saying whatever it was had bailed, whatever the last thing we tried was. And, um, and he just reminded me of this verse, second Corinthians 12. And this is what's on y'all's cards. And this is when Paul was talking about the thorn in his flesh and so, you know, I like to think I'm like Paul. I'm really more like Peter, but that's okay. In this, I'm just like Paul. So, but he's talking about like he has this thorn in his flesh and, um, you know, he pleaded with God three times for it to be removed. And I was like, well, I've beat that. I mean, like at least 3000 times I've asked him. Um, but he says, you know, I pleaded with him three times for the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I just, it was like God said, I'm not taking this thorn out. Like you've asked for me to remove it, but I, it's staying until I want to take it out. And I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> so I, kinda, I didn't, I just took some days to mull it over. Like normally I talk through like everything with my husband, but I was like, I'm just not sure. I mean, maybe I'm just like wrong about this, you know, whatever. But, um, but a couple of days later he ran into, um, a good friend from college who's also a doctor and they were catching up. And so Brett was like, Oh, well, you know, how's Alita doing? And so Logan was telling him kind of what was going on with me. And he was like, wow, that, cause it's such a weird, the whole thing's such a weird story. And he was like, that just sounds like God's given her a thorn. And so, um, so Logan came home and told me that. And I was like, dang it. You know, I was like, well, that's kind of what God's been telling me, but it's like, I needed that sacred echo. If y'all, if y'all do follow me on Instagram, which I feel so embarrassed that I just said that, but I talk a lot about, um, so this idea of a sacred echo, which I heard about on another radio show and I wish I knew who it was so I could give them credit. But anyway, a sacred echo is just when, um, God continues to send you either verses or gospel thoughts or a song or something from different situations, different people. Cause he's like, Hey, I want you to get this. I want you to see this. This is for me. And so that sacred echo was, was him saying, just let go. And so at that point, there really was a sense of relief when I was like, okay, I'm going to stop, stop searching for the answer. You know, like God has said, you know, if you're going to be healed, I'm going to heal you. And, um, you know, I mean, I wish he would have gone ahead and done it, but that's just not, you know, so I've just learned to live in this way. Um, that makes it sound weird. I, I guess like it's been now 
eight and a half years. Um, and you know, my capacity is, is just limited. And I think, I mean, I'm a seven for those of you who are on Enneagram. My sweet friend, Kristen introduced me to it. And if you haven't taken your Enneagram test, you need to do that today. Um, but as a seven, my core fear is pain. And so basically like I'm living with my core fear all the time. And so, but to know that that's God's story for me, even like just to see that he, like his grace really is sufficient. Like this is not what I would have chosen. Um, but I have seen him be faithful in this. Um, what was I going to say about that? Okay, well, we'll move on to this part because I don't remember. <laughs> but um, another verse that has really encouraged me through all of this, and honestly, since college, just at different times, God's brought this up, but it's Psalm eighty four eleven. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from him whose walk is blameless. And so my walk is blameless because when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> so it's not that I'm like, I've got it all together, so now he's going to give me what I want. You know, it's like, no, like on the cross, he took all my mess and my brokenness and he traded it with Jesus for Jesus's record. So, um, anyway, so when it says, you know, he will not withhold a good thing. Well, if it's a good thing for me to be healed, he's not going to keep it from me. And so I have to choose to believe that like, that would be his second best for me now. You know, if he healed me from this, that would be, that wouldn't be his best. Um, so, but that leaves me with, Oh, and that's what I was saying before. My capacity is limited. Like I'm a seven. I want to be doing all the things all the time and bring all the fun. And so, you know, I think I could have easily been like, yeah, I mean, I love Jesus, but like, I've got all this. I can do this myself. Um, and so I'm just, I'm very aware, like my capacity is, you know, it's, it's limited. And so, you know, I can go and I can be like, be me, you know, but then it's like, but then I need to go rest, you know, I've got to go like take time, you know, cause I'm hurting or whatever. And, um, and so that's kind of a big, it, it's like, um, when I was talking with a friend about this a couple weeks ago, it's like when Jacob wrestled with God and then God gave him, you know, he basically put his hip out of joint and it was like, he walked with a limp the rest of his life. And I feel like that's kind of how it is. It's like, yeah, God reminded me, Hey, you need me. <laughs> and so, um, so I do, I, I walk with my limp. Um, but like I said, most days are good. And I see too, just God's sovereignty in the lives of my kids. Cause that's one thing that really haunted me, especially when they were younger. I was like, I hate that they have to deal with this. You know, I hate that Mills is basically not having a mom. And I hate that like the big kids are having to take on all these things. And like, you know, sometimes mom's like, I'm just, I've got to just go to bed. I'm sorry. Watch some more TV, which they didn't really mind. But, um, but you know, and finally I really had so much guilt from that. And finally God was like, do you really think that you're going to mess up my story for Lola? Like, this is part of who I'm making her to be. And she really does have such a heart of compassion. I mean, all my kids do. And it's not because I've been like cultivating that, you know, it's just because like they've had a mom who was limited. And so they've learned to live that way. Um, so, I mean, yes, I still have mom guilt like all the time, but that God keeps saying, I've got them, you know, you're not going to mess. You can't mess up what I'm doing for them. Um, Okay, so I guess I'll come back to the verse we started with. Um, therefore, this is again, 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. See, I told y'all, right? <laughs> um, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I, um, you know, I most days it doesn't feel like they're light and momentary, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like this feels heavy and eternal. Um, but when I look at the grand scheme of things, God knows the exact number of days that I need to have this depression and this, um, and these slip discs to bring him glory. And like, it's not going to be one day more. And it may be that he doesn't remove all that till I see him face to face in heaven. Um, but then he's speaking glory. Like he's going to speak glory over that thorn. Um, you know, it's just that, that it's going to far outweigh all of these struggles. Um, so, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And so oh, just to live in light of that, that like when I'm bogged down by these very real, I mean, it's not that these things aren't real. And I know y'all all have these struggles too. You know, it's like, I'm, I can't just blow them off and be like, well, it's light and momentary and, you know, whatever. It's like, no, this is soul crushing, but 
but I fix my eyes on Jesus because then I can see, okay, he's not wasting my pain. Like he just, he does not waste our pain. Um, okay. And I guess just kind of in closing, um, I don't know. I'm not supposed to, they said this isn't like a teaching thing. So I'm not teaching, but I do just, I know this, this season, this year, they're trying to make the focus, um, God's love and how much God loves you and loves us. And I know for me, like being broken, being messy and him saying, I love you. <laughs> I love you like this. Like it's not, I didn't love you more when you had it, you know, together, whatever, you know, like I love you in this moment. And so I guess just for y'all too, like he loves you. He loves you and his plans for you are good and they are for your good and for his glory. Um, I was trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to tell y'all before I wrap this up. Cause I've got the microphone right now. <laughs> um, I guess just, Again, you know, if y'all have questions about stuff, please feel free to ask me. I think we may have time to do some questions. Um, But anyway, I just, through all these things, I guess just say, like, I have seen his grace really has been sufficient. So, all right. Okay, if anybody has any questions, we can do that now because we have a little time. So, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to share. Oh, I'm glad to share with y'all. Anybody have questions? I'll just ask, what, yeah. like, what's your pain level like yeah. now? I mean, the earth yeah. today. Um, you know, I'd say it's probably, it depends on the day. Again, I'm like a Nana, because, like, if it's, wet, if it's wet and cold, I'm like, oh, I feel it in my joints. You know, I'm like, that storm's coming. And I know better than I'm James Fan, I'll just say. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't make a dig against James Fan. She loves him. Um, you know, so on those days, it's more like a seven, maybe. Like, today, it's feeling good. I think everybody's been praying. I mean, it's probably like a three. It just depends on the day. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things, and it's funny, I get asked about this sometimes, um, because um, I, I used to play the guitar and lead worship a lot. That was kind of my my thing, and I, and I can't do that now because of you know the way I can't hold the guitar and stuff. So so there are some things, yeah, like I can't I can't do, but I have found and that I mean I grieved that I don't want to like you know make that less than it is, but um, but I have found like the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. You know, like there's still, there are a lot of things that I am able to do that I, that I love. It's just, it's different than what it used to be, but God's brought like these new, just other things too. So, um, so yeah. yeah. Good question. All right. Do you else have any questions? <laughs> any more questions? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you first realized you were struggling, yeah. what was it like sharing that with your husband, your kids, yeah. family, friends? Was it something you kept in? Um, you know, it's funny. I, and I guess this is probably a good thing to say. It's tough sometimes for the people closest to you to know to recognize the difference um, because they're with you all the time. Cause I was like, I think something's wrong. And I mean, poor Logan. And I hate to even say it cause he's a great doctor, but he was like, no, you're fine. You know? <laughs> and like, and I was like, ask me the questions, pretend like I'm, you know, in your office. And he was like, wow. Okay. You know, I think it's just, and I've heard that from other friends too. Um, like if you, it's tough sometimes for people to know, cause they want you to be okay. And they see, like, they don't see the decline. Um, but he was so supportive. He like, he had us a list of, um, godly and or rock stars who deal with depression. He'll just send them to me. Sometimes he's like, Hey, David, you know, whatever. he's like, he man after God's own heart, you know, or he'll be like Marilyn Monroe. I'm just kidding. That's kind of a bad one. It's an illustration, but she did have depression. So, um, but so he's been very supportive. My kid, we were, um, I waited a little while to talk to my kids about it, but then we've been really open with them. They all know, um, about it. And, um, they all have similar personalities to mine. So I also feel like hopefully that'll help them in the future if they face this. Um, and then I really kept it to myself for a while. Besides that, I just, it just was kind of overwhelming to talk about. Um, so I didn't share it for, for a while beyond just like my small group and, um, Logan. Um, now I just wave my crazy flag. Cause I'm like, just, there shouldn't be shame or stigma in this, you know, especially among believers. Um, God has provided, you know, I mean, I guess I just felt like, oh my gosh, can, how can a godly person deal with depression? But it's like, it's not an either or, you know, it's like God gave me this thorn and now he's being sufficient. So 
yeah, I mean, it was hard at first to talk to, but, um, but I think it's good. I mean, it's good to be able to talk to people about it. So does that answer, did I answer your question? Okay. Okay. All right. Yes. Did you think that, um, the depression started early in your life? Like after you had your children? Um, that's a great question. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, and I, I really think I probably should have gone on medicine after I had each kid. I mean, honestly, like I just, I mean, looking back, I'm like, yeah, should have been on it then, should have been on it then. But, um, but I really didn't have any problems with it until I had kids. Um, and I think each time I just was like, well, I'll get better. It's just the hormones. And I mean, probably some of it was, um, but I think also just for most people, if you, you know, if you're feeling this way, if you talk to a doctor, they can help you determine if you really need medicine, if you're whatever, like most people only need it just for a little bit. You know, it's not the rest of your life. I'm a special case. (laughs) They were like, no, your chemicals are still really imbalanced. So, so I'm Lexapro till I go. But uh, so, but for most people, it's not going to be your whole life. Does that, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. There was another question. Yes. Some of the questions that uh, I asked you. Oh, good. Yes. That's my cute mother-in-law. She's cute. Um, you know, he has told he told he told me that I need to stop playing doctors because <laughs> I always like tell my friends I'm like, oh, this is such and such and such and such, and I'm normally right, but um, but I want to make sure I'm careful about these. I'll give you the questions I remember, but just. I am not a doctor, even though I like to think I could ask all the right questions. Okay. Um, he asked, okay, um, are you, how is your sleep? Which again, all these things could be lots of different things, but you know, how is your sleep? Um, have you noticed that you no longer have joy in things that used to bring you joy, like different activities? Um, do you feel, um, gosh, what were some of the others? Um, do you, do you, um, do you have a plan to harm yourself or do you wish to harm yourself? And you don't have to answer yes to all of them, you know, for it to be, but, um, but it's like a series of those. Um, I I really, gosh, I'm trying to even remember the big one for me was the loss of joy. The things that I used to love to do. Like I noticed I was like, I didn't, I just was skipping out on stuff. Um, so, but that's something also you could Google <laughs> or you really should go see a doctor and talk to them about it. But that's a great, that's a great question. So, all right. I have one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and I typed it up. So nice. Um, can you feel a bad day coming on? <gasps> great and question. If it, if it does come on. What yes. Does it, what does that look like? Yes. Okay. That's a great question. Um, Sometimes circumstances will bring on a bad day. If there's just been a lot of difficult things that happen, then I'm like, I've really met my capacity. So sometimes I'll feel like as the day goes on, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm really feeling this. And I just need to like take And sometimes if I can just take a nap, it's almost like a reset. Um, some people I know can go running and that makes them feel better. It does not work for me. That does not help. Um, but I'll just, I'll just feel the heaviness. Um, sometimes a little anxiety. Anxiety is not really what I have. It's that's awful though. Um, but sometimes I'll feel a little bit of anxiety or just, just a sense of like, I'm just overwhelmed. Um, and so, I mean, a lot of times it is, I just withdraw. I'll just withdraw. Um, and so like I had a, I had a blue day maybe two weeks ago and I really don't remember if there was anything that triggered it, you know, per se, but I was supposed to go, um, meet someone the next day. And I was like, I just, I can't, you know, and normally I would be like, yes, let's all go meet. Let's all go have fun all the time. Um, so, but, and it's just like, I just need like a self-care day, you know, like I'll just, if I need to just stay home, if I just, you know, for me, it's more like I need to withdraw and kind of renew, like restore, um, funny TV shows help. You know? <laughs> like I think there's, I mean, obviously the right answer is always you run to God, but I think a lot of times God just sits with me while I watch funny TV shows, you know, like I think there's like a, he's with me and, but you know, he's with me, but it's like, also I need just some light stuff, you know? And so, um, 
I will start out, you know, looking at stuff. But sometimes when I start reading Bible verses, I'm like, okay, I'm, it's spiraling down. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Lord, we're watching Friends, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so, and I think that's, that's kind of, for me, that's how we do this. And I will shoot a, you know, a Hail Mary text to friends. Hey, I'm having a blue day. Will you pray for me? Um, and I think that helps too, like, just to not feel alone. So, As, yeah. as a, if, as a, if you said to your friends, you shoot yeah. them a text. Um, if one of us were trying to help a yeah. friend that was to Depressed, and they said, "Cause I'm like a doer, so I would be like, oh, I'm want to fix it. You. Yes, but do you? You just want yeah. to be by yourself. So if someone yes. says that, yeah, that battles with depression, they really do want to be. Yes, by and you know, it, and that's that's a good question because I do wonder about different personalities. Yeah, for me. I do like I'm like I just want to be like in my bed in my shark jammies <laughs> shark pajamas and like they're so cozy and I'm like I'm just gonna watch tv in my bed and I want to be by myself um but that's opposite of what I normally am so I wonder maybe if someone is more introverted and they're dealing with depression if maybe they would need the opposite which would be people right. yeah. I guess just ask your friend, you know, like I think the more questions about that, you know, maybe like if they haven't told you, maybe just say, Hey, what, what will show you love right now? Cause I'm like you, I mean, I might just show up at someone's house and they're like, I really didn't want that. You know, like you just made it so much worse. So, um, I guess it depends on the person, but yeah, for me now, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to be okay, but I just need to be by myself. So um, I was going to say, I am an introvert. I'm totally opposite. And I I struggle with depression. And I don't want anybody to drop something at my front door, yep. chicken salad, coffee. But I don't want to see anybody. <gasps> That's so, so good. good. I mean, that's, that is good. Yeah. The sweet introvert friend that you would share that. That's a big deal. Yeah. Thank you. I'm such an introvert. I love that. That's what I'm going to say. You did so good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like, oh. In the moment when you yeah. understand you're about to have a bad day, yeah. do you experience doubt in that darkness of those moments? And if you recognize this, because this has been something you've worked with for a long yeah. time, how in those moments do you speak truth to yourself? Yes. It's good to watch TV. Right. Like, I experience immediate doubt. Yes. And I'm always curious to know how to speak truth to myself. Yes. Oh, that's a great question. Um, yes. Okay. She was saying, like, when you feel those dark days coming, how can you speak truth to yourself when you know it's coming and you're like, there's this doubt coming in my mind. Um, is that that's pretty close? Okay. Um, for me, the verse I come back to over and over, and I'm probably going to say the wrong, it's Psalm 78. And it says, um, it's talking about how my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that's when I will just like, I, I mean, I, and I just pray it to God, you know, I'm just like, okay, Lord, my flesh and my heart are failing. Like I'm, I'm spiraling now, but you are the strength of my heart and you are my portion forever. And there, you know, I think about it like, again, this is not original to me, but you know, it's like me and God, he's holding me. Like my arm is hanging on to him and he's hanging on to me. Well, if I let go, he's still got me. Mm-hmm. And so to think about that, like, okay, I feel like I'm spiraling, but you're still holding me. It's not based on me holding on to you. Um, so those help me. Um, I think also I'm just really candid with God. Um, he can take it. And so I think trying to pretend like I'm okay, like, Lord, I'm feeling kind of blue, but I know I'm okay. And you're in control. That doesn't help me, but I'm like, Lord, this hurts. Like I feel like whatever the thing was, is really bothering me. Or, you know, I don't feel you here, you know, like just shoot him straight. And then I feel like there's such freedom in that. Um, just be really honest with him and, um, you know, and look at his word, but then, but don't try to like be okay for him. If that's yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I have a comment and question. Yeah. My husband has chronic depression and chronic pain. It's the worst. Oh. I'm a you know, generally happy, joyful yeah. person. Yeah. You know, he, he likes to internalize. Mm. He doesn't like to speak about 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has, um, and I'm the opposite. I'm going to talk about it. Sure. Of course. So it has, it has admittedly caused issues. Sure. Marriage. Sure. So has mm-hmm. have you experienced? Yes, that's a great question. With mm-hmm. your marriage or right. other yes. relationships. Yeah. And how did you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, since we're flipped, I talk about it too much. So I think it kind of makes it so we have kind of a different view on that. But I mean, it is like it's really hard for the spouse that they can't fix you. You know, and I'm sure you feel that way. Like you should be able to love him to health in your mind. I mean that you shouldn't, but and that's how that's how Logan has felt. He's like, you know, I can't I couldn't love you more. Like he's, he's the best, but like, I still have depression. And so I think it's very, um, it's really defeating for the spouse. I think it's really hard. And, um, you know, he has some friends he can talk to you about that. For me, I think, um, it's good if he asks me questions about it, but then if he just, we'll say, he'll be like, do you want me to feel with you or do you want me to fix it? And that has helped a lot. So I'll just say, you know, I'll be like, I just want you to feel with me. Like, don't try to fix this. Like I really, I may not be rational right now. I may not be able to think clearly or the pain may just be really bad, but just, just feel with me. And so that's helped us. Um, it's tough because I'm sure you want to no, I mean, I'm sure you're like, please let me in and let me be a part of all this. He may, like, sometimes I worry that the burden is too great. Like, I don't want to burden someone else with it. And he may struggle with that, too. And I think, like, we've come a long way in this. Like, so now I'm like, no, here's all my burden. <laughs> but, um, but I guess just, I don't know. I, I love counseling and I wonder if maybe he would ever, would he ever talk to someone? Then there may be kind that may be for him. That may be who, even though I know you would want to, and you'd be amazing at being that person for him. It may be easier for him to talk to them. And then you just being there is like, a, I'm going to feel with you. Um, I don't know. I really, I know it sounds like I'm an expert cause I know cause I'm so depressed, but like, I don't, I don't know exactly. <laughs> um, but I think for us, those things have helped. Um, One thing he has experienced is judgment from some of his oh, members. Oh, I hate that. Yes. So I think that's one reason. He doesn't want to share. Right. Absolutely. And I think there is a real, I think it's harder for guys too. Like for women, I feel like it's becoming more common or acceptable to say, hey, I'm dealing with this. I think for guys, it's a lot harder. So, um but I think, you know, we can pray God will meet him at that point. Like that's where his, his thorn is in a different place. You know, it's that there's also this feeling of shame or, you know, be, maybe being misunderstood or judged. Um, but I'm so sorry. It's, it's tough. You're very fortunate to have such loving family. Uh, yes. Yes. Everybody doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yes, absolutely. I hate he's dealing with that. I'm so sorry. If if you were to suspect that maybe a friend mm-hmm. needed to see somebody, yes, um, what would be some wise and loving ways to yeah. talk with them? Yes, well. I feel like I have a lot of friends, huh? Oh, oh, okay. If I have a friend who, um, thank you, who I'm suspecting is struggling with some of this, what is a wise and loving way to kind of bring that up to them? Which is a great question. Um, I mean, as someone who has gotten most of my friends on medication, I feel like I can answer this question. Um, I think coming at it from love is really important. You know, like if I'm concerned, Hey, I see these things may be happening. Let me check on you. Um, I think also just maybe suggesting asking them how they feel. Cause there is a pushback probably, you know, at first there's going to be a pushback. You know, I'm always fine if people want to, tell them that I've, you know, (laughs) I heard this girl talk and I think she sounds just like you, you know, like, but I think it would, could be natural to say, you know, I, I do like, I heard this girl talking about depression and she, you know, she seems kind of you, like she's fun, but she's still in with this stuff. And it just reminded me of you, you know, I think that can kind of lead in to something. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just 
tell them you love them and just, just say, Hey, I love you. I'm worried that maybe something, I see a change. I see a change. Do you feel that? And kind of see what they say. Um, I didn't want anybody going with me to the doctor, but you could offer to do that. I think that might, you know, if you want me to come with you or like I Google these questions, you know, do you think he's kind of selling you? Um, but I think just letting them know that it's, it's safe to talk to you. Um, is a good, that's a good way to do it too. Um, but I think, yeah, just starting with, you know, I love you. I, I can tell I've seen a change. Do you feel it too? I think that may be a good jumping off point. So yeah. Uh-huh. And just one more thing. As you know, someone that has struggled with depression ever since I had my first child, um, postpartum that I totally did not expect. Yeah. If, if just for the podcast, you could clarify that it really isn't about being sad. It yes. is fully a medical condition. Yes. And so if you have a friend that's dealing with it, you know, however you can recommend that they see a doctor mm-hmm. because it, it is treatable. Yes. Yes. It really isn't always mm-hmm. about being sad because I have been sad in my life. Right. You know? I, mean, I grieved the loss of loved ones. I have yes. Grieved, but it's different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you said, it's a heavy. Yes. So I just want people to really understand if you're reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. To, there is a difference between being sad. Right. It's helpful. Yes. That's so, that's so good. And what she was saying is just, you know, if you have a friend who's dealing with postpartum, which a lot of women do, um, or, you know, you think they're dealing with depression just to let them know it's, you know, it's different than just being sad. And I think also just to validate their feelings, like I know this one time, this lady was like telling me, I don't know what she has to be depressed about. And I was like, whoa, you know, it's like there, a lot of times there's not a specific thing to tie to it. And so, and the same thing with anxiety. So like, you know, just to say, you know, this, I know this is different than sadness and I know, you know, just to identify it's a medical problem and that there are things that will help. Um, that's what I always tell my friends. I'm like, you can feel better soon. You know, like there's something that could help. So it doesn't have to be like forever. Um, I think that's, that's a great word. Yeah. Just that it is, it's different than just feeling sad, but that you're validating, you know, I know that you are feeling this way. So that's good. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Anything else? Anybody else? Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. This is amazing. Aw, I love being here. This is so fun. Listening to Alita's story, I was reminded of a quote I heard a few years ago, and the source is unknown, but it says, Sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes He lets the storm rage and calms His child. And it's so easy to feel discouraged when God does not remove a hardship or a difficult circumstance in your life, but sometimes He allows it to remain so that we learn to depend on Him and to let Him be our source of comfort and hope. And so the darkness that we can experience in our lives, God can actually use as a light to others around us. And so friends, please don't ever lose hope. And if after listening today, you feel like you might be struggling with depression, be sure not to walk through it alone. And again, we do not give out medical advice, but if you feel like you don't know where to turn or how to reach out for help, contact our team and we'd love to help connect you or simply just encourage you. My email is kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, at storytellerslive.org. Or you can also visit our website, storytellerslive.org, to find contact information. And finally, if this podcast has been a source of encouragement and hope to you, will you consider leaving us a rating or a review on iTunes? We are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we hope that you'll join us again soon.